Guten Morgen, America. What's up? Was ist das? Was ist das? Das ist sehr gut. Sehr gut. Let's see Michael Cohen and my partner on Cover Secrets. Um, federal ruling is nightmare for Trump's plan. Sounds good. I just love these headlines. It's great. Trump gets more unhinged new posts that's after suffering more defeats or something. Okay, that's three hours ago. So let's start with that. Oh, you're gonna stand be my. I need you by my side from the very start. Whatever you're able to chip in, not likely, old man, Brandon. I'm Ben Micellis from the My Dispatch Network. After a day when the special purpose grand jury report in Fulton County was finally unsealed and released, also a day where Mark Meadows, a co-defendant of Donald Trump's, lost his attempt to remove the state criminal case to federal court in Fulton County. Donald Trump ranting and raving like a total lunatic on his social media platform, lashing out against the special purpose grand jury, against prosecutors. Let me show you what Donald Trump is posting, including one humiliating post where Donald Trump thought he was posting an article that was praising him by quote-unquote conservative Christians, but it was an article saying that conservative Christians should not support Donald Trump because he acts like a false idol, and Donald Trump reposted that, think that the headline had one word that he thought was complimentary and didn't read it, but let me show you Donald Trump's post, and then let me compare it to President Joe Biden's post. Donald Trump writes, the Georgia grand jury report has just been released. It has zero, capitalized zero, it has zero credibility, and badly taints Bonnie Willis and this whole political witch hunt. Essentially, they wanted to indict anybody who happened to be breathing at the time. It totally undermines the credibility of the findings and badly hurts the great state of Georgia, whose wonderful and patriotic people are not happy with this charade of an out-of-control, quote, prosecutor doing the work of and for the DOJ election interference. And here's the thing. Like, when Donald Trump uses this language, I hope to moderates and independents and people who just truly care about facts and evidence, they look at this and go, what in the world are you talking about? And just the constant stream of lies and grievance, okay, saying that she's doing this on behalf of the DOJ, she absolutely is not. She is a state prosecutor and is pushing back against federal interference with her state sovereignty. We're not doing this for the DOJ. Also, the special purpose grand jury makes recommendations. It's not the body that indicts, the grand jury indicts. And Fulton County District Attorney Fawny Willis actually, to many people, chagrin, did not seek the indictments of people like Lindsey Graham and Cleta Mitchell and Kelly Leffler and David Perdue uh, those at least three of those individuals, former senators of Georgia. So Fulton County District Attorney Phony Willis actually exercised the discretion. A special purpose grand jury made recommendations saying, look, this is what's criminal. By the way, you want to know how big the special purpose grand jury was? There were 26 members of it. There were, I think, three alternates. And you pretty much had, in most of the counts, unanimity. 
Occasionally there'd be one or two people who didn't agree that certain people should be indicted, but every single person, all 22, agreed that uh, there was no fraud capable of overturning the election. And then they went through the counts very diligently, and then ultimately Fulton County District Attorney Bonnie Willis and her team were like, look, yes, did Lindsey Graham and Kelly Leffler and others commit crimes that we could prosecute them for? Yes. Do they have potential immunities because they were acting senators at the time? And could that harm our credibility in federal court to do things like prevail in the case against Mark Meadows and get that removed and others? Yeah, they exercised prosecutorial discretion appropriately. And no, the special purpose grand jury didn't indict anybody who happened to be breathing at times. If they happened to be breathing and trying to engage in a coup to overthrow a free and fair election, yes, that then becomes criminal. Yes, when people rob banks, it's not that they are then being prosecuted for the breathing, it's the robbing part, okay? And then Donald Trump's next post, I can't believe these fascist monsters have viciously gone after Peter Navarro for defying a, a totally partisan January 6th unselect committee, political hacks and thugs, Nance, crazy Nancy Pelosi. They refused to go, go, what did he go after Nancy Pelosi? For, what would go after Nancy Pelosi for? Crazy Nancy Pelosi, the reason she and the mayor of D.C. rejected 10,000 soldiers, which would have easily stopped any future security problem. His testimony wouldn't have mattered anyway because the committee quickly and illegally deleted and destroyed all evidence and findings. There's just so many false statements. You know, and lots of people, and here's the danger of the big lies like this. Everything he's saying here is a lie. You know, and most people's reaction to statements like this, well, it can't be all false. Is he lying about everything? Yes, every single thing is a lie. Okay, let's go through it. You're saying the January 6th committee quickly and illegally deleted and destroyed all evidence and findings. Over one million records from the January 6th committee have been turned over to your lawyers. When your lawyers in federal court before Judge Chutkin requested an extension of time, they didn't say, Judge Chutkin, the January 6th committee quickly and illegally deleted and destroyed all evidence, therefore we need an extension of time to find these records. No, they argued they had too many records that were turned over by special counsel Jack Smith, including a million records that were from the January 6th committee. Also, the January 6th committee records are online, and we all saw them, but never let the facts get in the way of a MAGA Republican deranged QAnon-style conspiracy. Then you claim these 10,000 soldiers. Well, the acting defense secretary um, testified before the January 6th committee. It, the records aren't destroyed. We can see what the secretary of defense said at the time. You never requested 10,000 soldiers. You never requested 20,000 soldiers. There is some reference to, in your Mussolini-like march to the Capitol to declare yourself an emperor, you floated the idea to a few of your aides of having soldiers accompany you for a coup. That's also in the January 6th committee report, not made up by the committee, but by testimony by people in your inner circle. And then you go and say, fascist monster, this, that, and the other. Look, that's just name-calling at this point. And by the way, Peter Navarro wrote a book. Peter Navarro went on right-wing media. So Peter Navarro spoke before, just refused to speak before the January 6th committee where he would be under penalty of perjury because MAGA Republicans don't want that at all. Then you put page two. There was much, 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 much evidence and findings that the unselect committee did not want seen again. It's the January 6th committee, not called the unselect committee. And no, they took in all of the evidence and mostly all of the testimony came from your advisors. Okay, that's what went down. 
And then you have Donald Trump flipping out about the 14th Amendment disqualification cases against him. Trump impeachment lawyer, why the 14th Amendment will not keep Trump off the ballot. And Donald Trump promoting um, uh, T-shirts on his platform of Fulton County District Attorney Phony Willis. And the T-shirt said, the, de the devil lives down in Georgia. That's a photo of Fulton County District Attorney Phony Willis's face. And then next to it, it says... I done told you once, you son of a bee, I'm the best there that's ever been. That's what he is posting. Right, what is President Biden doing, saying, and posting? Remember when Wall Street said to get inflation down, you needed lower wages and higher unemployment, not on my watch. Instead, we're replacing trickle-down economics with Bidenomics, and it's working. President Biden says, when put into practice, trickle-down economics failed. It blew up the deficit, increased inequity, and weakened the infrastructure of America. Bidenomics is about growing the economy by strengthening the middle class and making things in America again. President Biden writes, under my predecessor, Infrastructure Week became a punchline. On my watch, we're investing in America, and we've entered an infrastructure decade. President Biden writes, decades of handing out excessive tax cuts to the rich and corporations without making investments in America was a bust. We're replacing trickle-down economics with Bidenomics, and it's working. Meanwhile, Donald Trump posts, he reposts this article from the Milwaukee Independent that says, a MAGA idol. So that's why Donald Trump thought it was a favorable article, but they're calling him a false idol. A MAGA idol, why Trump's unchristian behavior makes him a hero to conservative Christians, Milwaukee Independent. And it's written by a number of pastors, including rural Missouri Southern Baptist pastor Mike Leakey of Calvary, uh, who said that his parishioners who go full-on MAGA end up not being dedicated to religion, and said that those who go full MAGA have a drop in attendance at church, uh, and giving that it's all-consuming to be MAGA, just like any other false idol, just like any other idol. So the MAGA people are not uh, showing up to church. Other pastor, pastors and scholars in the article call Trump not a peacemaker whose behavior is antithetical to everything they stand for, and a champion for the politics of grievance. But there Donald Trump only reads the word uh, champion, and then another pastor says Donald Trump should step aside and someone else in the Republican Party should run. There you have it, folks. The contrast cannot be clearer. Check us out at patreon.com slash Midas Touch, and go to MidasTouch.com for more. I'm Ben Micellis. Have a great day. Yeah. Hey, Midas Mighty. Love this report. We continue the conversation by statements like this. Well, it can't be all false. Is he lying about everything? Yes. Every single thing is a lie. Okay, let's go through it. You're saying the January 6th committee quickly and... If it hadn't been for one simple safety item, this could have been a family tragedy. Fire extinguishers are... This is Michael Popak, Legal AF. All those defendants that are trying to fight their way, claw their way out of the Fulton County Courthouse Criminal Court with Judge McAfee to try to get over to Judge Jones, you might want to rethink that. That includes Donald Trump because we have a ruling in the test case, the canary in the coal mine, the Mark Meadows case, where he tried and failed now with the ruling to get his case over to federal court. Judge Jones, an Obama appointee, has ruled, as you've heard on the Midas Touch Network, that the attempt to exercise and invoke the jurisdiction of the federal court by Mark Meadows 
even though he was a federal officer, because the heart of the indictment against him, all the bad things that he's claimed to have done, the interference with the audit by the Secretary of State, his phone calls to the Secretary of State with Donald Trump, his other attempts to interfere in other battleground states, all of that crossed the line out of his job responsibilities as the Chief of Staff, his job duties, and moved into the world of improper Hatch Act violations, campaigning while uh, being paid to do your job as a federal officer. You're not allowed to do both. You're not allowed to stump for candidate Trump. You're not allowed to um, execute a plan to keep candidate Trump in office and overthrow democracy and get paid for it as a federal officer. That's a Hatch Act violation. And now, while the others have sort of laid back and let Mark Meadows go first, he filed first his notice of removal to get the case away from Scott McAfee, right? to get away from the other 18 co-conspirators. That case went on a fast track. It went to an evidentiary hearing in which Mark Meadows elected to waive his Fifth Amendment privilege because he has the burden in a removal hearing where you're removing the case from, case from state to federal court. He felt he had to testify. Now, of course, we think he perjured himself, although that didn't come up in the order today. The judge was more polite than that. The judge said, I credited some of what Mr. Meadows said, but I gave less credit to other testimony that he gave. And particularly, the judge said, there's two things i got to decide. What is the heart of the crime that's being charged against you? And what are the limits and the outer boundaries of your authority as a federal officer? And I have to make that match. And I have to figure that out. Because if there is a mismatch, if the outer, if the actions that you're being indicted for are outside the outer boundaries of your scope of authority of your job, then you're not going to be able to use federal officer removal to take the case from state to federal court because federal courts are loath to interfere with state prosecutions of crime. Got all that? So everybody waited around for the first to file, Mark Meadows. He gets the judge. It's going to be Northern District of Georgia Judge Stephen Jones. Now, everybody's got Stephen Jones in federal court. A couple sort of followed behind Jeff Clark, the number five or six Department of Justice official who ended up being the acting attorney general under Donald Trump in the last week of his office, who tried to weaponize the office. He said, I'm a federal officer, too. And then others are trying to argue the same thing either that they are a federal officer or they took instruction and direction from a federal officer, like, let's say, uh, Kathy uh, uh, Latham, who said, oh, well, I, well, I'm a, a Coffee County uh, election official that let in the cyber ninjas to download data and uh, commit cyber breaches, but uh, I took my orders from Donald Trump, so he's a federal officer, so I took commands on a federal officer, and that's why I also became a fake elector. That's going to lose. But we'll save that for another day. Donald Trump also laying in wait because he wanted to see what would happen with Mark Meadows and Stephen Jones. Even though he just filed in Georgia a piece of paper letting Judge McAfee in the state court know that he's going to get around to filing his motion related to removal because he's a federal officer uh, one day. But he's got one eye on Mark Meadows. Well, 
Now he saw what happened. Mark Meadows just got his head handed to him. Judge Jones denied the motion for removal and remanded it back to state court and said, thank you very much. We're now going to close the case of Meadows versus uh, Georgia. Uh, have a good day, and you'll be back with the rest of the pile that is fighting it out like crabs in a bucket over in Fulton County with Judge McAfee. We know that Donald Trump was waiting for this moment because he tried this himself once before. We talked about it at the beginning of the summer. He didn't like the fact that the Manhattan District Attorney's Office, which is a state entity, a state uh, unit, was suing him in state court before a judge that had already found two of his companies guilty of tax fraud, um, Judge Mershon, and he wanted to get as far away from Judge Mershon as possible. So he filed a similar thing to Mark Meadows in, in, in the Southern District of New York and got a Clinton appointee, a senior status judge, Judge Alvin Hellerstein. Judge Hellerstein did the same analysis as Judge Jones did at the beginning of the summer. He says three-part test to see if you get to come to federal court with your criminal case. One, are you a federal officer? And he said, yeah, President Trump, former President Trump, you were a federal officer. You're like employee badge number one of federal government. Two, do you did the things that you say, the things that you're being charged with at the heart of your indictment, is that part of the color of your office? Is that on your job responsibility? And three, if you got those two things, do you have a federal defense arguable, colorable, that needs to be really better off in federal court. And Judge Hellerstein, against Donald Trump then, said, yes, you're a federal officer, but two, no, a bribing and paying off Stormy Daniels, a porn star that you had a brief affair with, so your wife wouldn't find out about it, and voters wouldn't find out about it, and using your business money but covering it up through an elaborate chain of events, through Michael Cohen laying out money for you and reimbursing it and calling it legal expenses, all of that, that has nothing to do with being the President of the United States. So no, you don't get you don't get removal. You get to go back with Judge Mershon, and that case is scheduled, it had been scheduled for March the 24th, but it looks like it's gonna step aside and let Judge Chutkin and Jack Smith's case in DC go first. Now, back to Georgia. Same Chinamar argument. Mark Meadows said, I'm the chief of staff. I just do everything I'm supposed to do to make the president feel better. I make meetings. I do time management. I make phone calls for him. I, and that's what I was doing. And the other side, Bonnie Willis's side, said, wait a minute. You flew into a county to try to interfere with the Secretary of State's audit team and the chief investigator, Francis Watson. You try to get in the room while the GBI, the Georgia Bureau of Investigation, was doing a audit, and you try to get in that room. That's not a uh, chief of staff role. That's a you're helping candidate Donald Trump usurp um, authority and uh, topple democracy. And what about, and Bonnie Wells said, and, that, and, and another thing, <laughs> your phone call that you participated in and set up in which your boss berated and tried to extort the Secretary of State of Georgia and his general counsel to throw out 11,780 votes, 11,780 votes to give Donald Trump the election and steal it from Joe Biden. That's not part of the, the, uh, the acts of a, a chief of staff sitting in the Oval Office or the West Wing. And he said, when, and uh, when you've you know, also you know, made some other phone calls, went to other meetings, 
and try to pressure campaign other elected officials and other election officials around the country in the seven, seven battleground states and coordinate the fake electors, that's not the scope of your duties. And that's the heart of Judge Jones's analysis, right? So it's a two-pronged analysis. I gotta figure out as a judge, what is the heart of the indictment against you? And then I gotta figure out whether the outer what are the outer boundaries of your responsibilities. And he said, as to that, Mark Meadows, I didn't like your testimony. I couldn't understand your testimony. You yourself could not provide me, a federal judge, with the outer boundaries of what your job duties were. Therefore, I gotta figure it out for myself because I don't credit anything you could tell me because you couldn't really give me. I asked you, give me what is the outer boundary so I understand what they are. Judges are always looking for the outer boundaries of things. And then they compare that to the crime to see how it fits. So the judge did it by an analysis under the Hatch Act. What federal officers are not allowed to do on the job in campaigning. I said, yeah, what you did there, I agree with the, I agree with the uh, Georgia uh, Fulton County DA. It's like that. And so you're outside of the outer boundaries of your authority when you did these bad things. And then you also saw the thinking of Stephen Jones because Stephen Jones came out with a, uh, a series of an analysis about overt acts. We talked a lot on Legal AF about the 161 overt acts that are listed and cataloged against each of the 19 co-conspirators. And there's a handful about Mark Meadows. But the judge reminded everybody that under the Georgia RICO statute, the overt acts are interesting. They don't even have to be listed in an indictment. They're not an element of the crime of RICO. So this whole debate that the judge was having, it was sort of an academic debate, and he asked to have briefed about, well, how many overt acts are inside the job responsibilities of the chief of staff? And how many overt acts are, are, are out? That was like a complete red herring, because the judge came back with his analysis and said, it doesn't matter. What matters is what is the heart of the indictment, the crime that's being charged, in this case, RICO. And is the outer boundaries of your job inside or outside the heart? Is the heart inside or outside of that outer boundaries? And that's it. And the judge concluded, it's outside. You're, you may have been a federal officer, and I don't want to hear about your federal defenses because you weren't working within your job responsibilities. And, as, and just in a footnote, the judge came back and said, and out of the eight overt acts that are against you, seven of them, seven of them are outside your responsibilities as a chief of staff and into the world of politics and crime. There's only one that arguably, the judge said, arguably is within your job responsibility. And that's a text message to Scott Perry of Pennsylvania. Everything else is out. Trump is sitting there, you know, like biting his fingernails about, uh-oh, I thought I was going to be able to go to federal court. Let's see, oh, Mark Meadows just got his head handed to him. I mean, the judge, like, speaking of heart, he, like, ripped out Mark Meadows' heart vivisection and showed it to him in his ruling. And now all the rest are going to have to think, oh, this is not going to work for me yet either. So there goes Jeff Clark. There goes anybody that's claiming that a federal officer ordered them to do something. Because arguably, the classic federal officer, the chief of staff, the assistant to the president, Mark Meadows, he wasn't able to get the case over the federal court. Sure, there'll be an attempt at appeal. It'll go to the 11th Circuit. Judge Jones did a good analysis of 11th Circuit law. But right now, this case is going full steam ahead with Bonnie Willis in Georgia, in Fulton County, in front of Judge McAfee. Two of the 19 are going to trial. 
on October the 23rd this year. That is uh, Ken Chesbro and Sidney Powell. The judge made a shotgun marriage of them, and they're going down the aisle together at this criminal case. The other 17, some of which that have tried now to go to federal court, I hope they see the writing on the wall that with this judge, unless the 11th Circuit reverses it, and ultimately the U.S. Supreme Court, um, they are going to trial in state court. It may not go as fast as Chesbro and Powell, but they will go. And Phony Willis has already announced it is up to a one-year length trial. Think about that. One-year length trial. It'll take her a month to, to pull a jury uh, once they get going, maybe two months. And then they're going to do a one-year total trial. So we're not even going to know the results of this, let's be honest, until, you know, like coming up on the November election in Georgia. Jack Smith, different thing. Jack Smith's going to trial really quickly in May of this year, the day before Super Tuesday. And I think he'll, he'll be able to do his in probably three or four months or less. We'll follow it here on the Midas Touch Network, on Legal AF. I'm Michael Popak. I co-founded and co-anchored Legal AF, the leading podcast at the intersection of U.S. law and politics. I do it with two co-anchors, Aaron Friedman and Niflo. Ben Micellis. We bring you hot takes like this every hour, one place. Subscribe to the free YouTube channel for Midas Touch. Follow me on all things social media. And until my next hot take, this is Michael Popak, Legal AF. Hey, Midas Mighty. Love this report? Continue the conversation by following us on Instagram, at Midas Touch. Keep up with the most important news of the day. What are you waiting for? Follow us now.
Hi, welcome back. We are babysitting Midas Touch YouTube playlist. Thanks for 255k. I appreciate it even though they're all just my government censors. Stop admitting to... To what? More crimes. Come out with your hands up, motherfucking traitor and thief. Game's up, Diaper Donald. Come out with your hands up. Michael Popak, legal AF. I'll say one thing about County Layup. The Coffee County Republican Party official indicted by Fawny Willis for being a fake elector in Georgia, for opening the door to the burglars who broke in and stole all the election and voter data in Coffee County, for delaying the certification of the vote or attempting to in Georgia, uh, and all the rest. These are the reasons that she's involved with a RICO uh, criminal conspiracy. She's trying to argue now that she's a federal officer, and that as a federal officer, she has federal rights and federal immunity that she can take over to a federal court to have her case tried instead of in Fulton County uh, in front of Judge McAfee. I mean, as I said before, I mean, this is definitely like the gang that, that can't shoot straight. You see their legal arguments they're taking, and then you, you can't be shocked that they were involved with this conspiracy to overthrow democracy, to serve as fake electors, to, to sign things with their names on it and send it in to the president of the Senate, Mike Pence, the National Archive, to the chief judge of the Northern District of Georgia, and everywhere else. Because the same person that would participate in all of that, right, right allow the cyber ninjas in to download election data from Coffee County, turn it over to Sidney Powell, one of the people who is the captain of Team Crazy, one of the lawyers for Donald Trump working for the campaign, serving as a fake elector where she literally signed her name to the conspiracy. That's the same person whose lawyers would try to argue that she's a federal officer. And Fawny Willis is ready, willing, willing and able to take this on in her own filing against uh, Kathy Latham in federal court. So the battle is brewing right now because... Stephen Jones, Judge Jones in the Northern District of Georgia, is now entertaining all of these attempts by a handful of the 19 to try to escape the meat grinder, uh, the high-velocity meat grinder that is the Fulton County, Georgia criminal process, and get over to what they think will be a slower, more methodical uh, process over the federal court. Some of them I sort of understood. Mark Meadows, all right, he was chief of staff. Right? He has an argument that he's a federal officer. He then has to argue that everything he did, or the primary basis of what he did for Donald Trump, was related to his federal office and not to campaign work. Okay? Jeff Clark, at least he was in the Department of Justice. You know, he was a low-level environmental lawyer who, for 10 minutes, was the acting attorney general for the United States under Donald Trump in the last 10 days of his administration. But at least he was in the, the executive branch. Kathy Latham, right? She, you know, if you saw her on the street, she looked like some nice little old lady living in Coffee County, rural Georgia, who was busy, you know, trying to be mag out MAGA people for Trump. Right? What's her federal connection? Well, what she said in her papers, are people sitting down for this? You have to sit down for this. I did. What she said in her papers was the following. I was, and I love this euphemism, I was a contingent elector. Listen to that, how she elides over her criminal responsibility and conduct. 
by giving yourself a, a title, a legitimate title. I was a, a contingent elector, not a fake elector. And, and as a contingent elector, I serve a federal function, and therefore I'm a federal officer, and I get to go to federal court. I mean, I'm giving the summary. That's really it. And then her fallback argument is even more laughable. That's pretty laughable. It's more laughable. It's that I took direction from a federal officer, and therefore I get the benefit of federal removal, what's called federal removal, to go from state court to federal court. Because the only way you can get out of state court under these circumstances is you have to argue that you were a federal officer, right, and you have the right under uh, a federal statute to go to federal court. Only a federal officer performing federal functions within the color of their office have the right, if they have federal and a federal defense, to go to federal court. That's it. Everybody else has to stay. It's called federal officer removal. Kathy Latham's first argument is she was a federal officer because she was a contingent presidential elector. I'll get back to that in a moment. The second argument she raises is that even if I wasn't a federal officer myself, I took direction from a federal officer, Donald Trump. Let's explode both of these through the filing of Phony Willis. One, the U.S. Supreme Court has already said that even real electors, not even fake, phony, contingent electors, a real elector, somebody who's an elector for a presidential candidate, is not a federal officer. That's right out of binding Supreme Court precedent in Ray versus um, Blake. Sorry, Blair. The, the case of Ray versus Blair, the U.S. Supreme Court literally said that a presidential elector, not even a fake one, a real one, is not a federal officer. They're not a federal officer. They're doing a federal, a, a federal function in the federal side of the election process by, by being given state authority to do so. This is our federalism system that people sometimes struggle with. The states have a role in the federal election process because we use popular vote to select electors, electors to nominate and certify for the President of the United States on the federal side. So there's a state process that's run by state actors, state election community, Secretary of State, um, clerks of the, of the office related to voting, registrars, governors, and that type of thing, and then electors. And that's a, a state authority for an ultimate federal function, which is certifying. That doesn't convert somebody like taking a sow's purse, uh, sorry, <laughs> a sow's ear into a silk purse doesn't make them into an elector or into a federal officer. So that's the first problem. I'll come back to contingent today, which is what she claimed she was. Kathy Latham's second argument is equally old and dash. Ridiculous. It is that she took direction from a federal officer. And, and Phony Willis has to be careful here because she's constantly arguing, as she should, that the, um, the work that's being done by Mark Meadows and even the other people who held federal office was campaign-related. They weren't functioning as chief of staff helping the president of the United States do his constitutional duties, his job responsibilities. They were helping him get reelected. That's a campaign function. If that's a campaign function, you're not a federal officer, right? You're in the campaign. Have you heard of senescent cells, also known as zombie cells? These old, worn-out cells no longer serve a useful function for our health, 
wasting our energy and nutritional resources. These zombie cells tend to accumulate in our bodies as we age, leading to the aches, slow workout recoveries, and sluggish mental and physical energy associated with that middle age feeling. Our sponsor, Neurohacker, packs seven of the most science-backed senolytic ingredients into one formula called Qualia Senolytic. And you can take it just two days a month for fast, noticeable benefits and a much better aging process. Senolytic ingredients are science-backed to support our body's natural elimination of zombie cells. My body and energy levels feel about 15 years younger after just a couple of months of adding Qualia Senolytic to my diet. I love how easy it is to take. Having more physical and mental energy for my family and friends is such a win in how I show up for those I love. My productivity has doubled. I feel invigorated and enthusiastic again with the daily drive and enthusiasm to get things done. The formula is non-GMO, vegan, gluten-free, and the ingredients are meant to complement one another, factoring in the combined effect of all ingredients together. Unique and versatile, this $1.22 tote bag is an unbeatable value with its simple and elegant. It's also backed by a 100-day money-back guarantee. So you have almost three months to try quality. She's basically conceded that she participated in a crime. Because the, one of the elements of the crime that she's being charged with is that she impersonated being an elector. That's a crime. I used an example on another hot table. Let's use a baseball example. Let's use a football example. Kansas City Chiefs. I like that team. Who doesn't like Patrick Mahomes? Kansas City Chiefs. They're ready to take the field. Dressed in their red uniforms. It's a home game. The whole squad is there. The whole 53 along the sidelines. Right? All of a sudden, out of the tunnel, two minutes before the game, an entirely different group masquerading as the Kansas City Chiefs, dressed in uniforms, wearing the numbers, ready to take their positions. Right? There's a quarterback over there, a linebacker, a wide receiver, a running back. There's a coach. It's an imposter team, but they say they're the contingent Kansas City Chiefs. Does that set up a legitimate dispute as to who should play that game? Is the NFL going to say, well, we got two slates of Kansas City Chiefs here. we got one over here that you know, won the Super Bowl last year. We've got this other group that sort of looks like them. They're a little lumpier and not as a good shape and um, I really don't know any of them, but they say they're the Kansas City Chiefs. We have a dispute. We don't have a dispute. We have one group that's taken the field impersonating another group. And when you do that under federal law and try to do that to federal officers or federal functions, you're now committed a crime, okay, under my Kansas City Chiefs example. And so you're going to hear a lot, not only on this hot take, but in the filings, about the Hawaii 1960 precedent. Oh, the MAGA Republicans love the Hawaii 1960 precedent. What is that? Some people might be saying, is that some sort of Robert Ludlum novel, some sort of, some sort of, uh, uh, you know, book, and uh, a murder mystery? What is it? Oh, fuck, I don't tell you. So in 1960, when Nixon was running against Kennedy in a very tight election, a lot of people forget that it wasn't a landslide for Kennedy. It was a very close election. A state, you know, pre-internet, pre-electronic, pre lot of computers early, early announced that Nixon had actually won Hawaii, when in reality, by the time they were done recounting, it was Kennedy. But they announced Nixon, yay, Nixon, like on television, Walter Cronkite. You know, uh, in Hawaii, you're you know, we're calling Hawaii for Nixon. Okay, great. Except it wasn't true. 
because a hand recount was in process. So even though there was a slate of electors ready to go, right, the Nixon slate, because, you know, there's always a slate of one party or the other. There's dueling slates until there's an election, and then the loser, or as Buddy Willis likes to call it, the losing presidential campaign, they got to go home, and the winner slate, they get certified by the governor, secretary of state, whatever the process is of a particular state. So in Hawaii, they just called it early, for whatever reason. It's not really relevant. And this, and the electors for Nixon went, hooray, we won. And they were certified. And they were like, okay, in a, another week or so, we'll send our certificate in to the, to the president of the Senate, the vice president at the time. But a hand recount was going on. And at the end of that, Nixon lost. And ultimately, they recertified the state in favor of John F. Kennedy. And so the origin, there were, yes, there was another slate. They were legitimate for a time. They were contingent. And then there was the recertified slate of electors for Kennedy. Latham and the others love the Hawaii 1960 case. And they think the precedent they think it's talking about. That was us. We were just like them. No, you weren't. Because in Georgia, as Phony Willis pointed out in her filing, Donald Trump didn't just lose once. Donald Trump lost three times in Georgia. He lost the popular vote as accounted by all the machines and totaled and tallied. He lost the hand recount, where they hand recounted all of the ballots. And he lost a mandatory audit, regular audit, because the election was so close. He lost that too. He lost three times. Then the Secretary of State certified. Then the governor of Georgia certified. And then they sent the electors and the slate of electors to um, President, uh, Vice President Pence serving as the president of the Senate. They didn't meet secretly, right, a month after in some basement after the election had been called three times for Joe Biden, right, and cre or, or for the president or whatever, Nixon, and, and sign a certificate. That's not what happened in Hawaii at all. And so, but you, you see, because they're so intellectually dishonest and disingenuous in their analysis, or as Fonnie Willis said in her filing, um, as she's pointing out the losing Trump presidential campaign, she said that it was um, that Kathy Latham and others opted to pretend to be uh, electors when they weren't. They weren't contingent electors. They were phony electors. They were impersonating electors with a fake certificate that they sent in. She also said um, that the filing by Kathy Latham was both ludicrous, right? And it was um, the law that she was uh, using was a strained analysis of the law. She's being polite. At the end of the day, Kathy Latham's argument to argue that she was either a federal officer entitling her to go to federal court in her case, or that she was taking direction from Donald Trump and not from the Trump campaign fails. And it's going to be rejected, I predict, quickly by Judge Jones in the federal court. And she's going to end up going back to Fulton County with Judge McAfee with a tail between her legs. I'm going to follow here on the Midas Touch Network on this YouTube channel on Legal AF, the podcast that we co-anchor and I co-founded on Wednesdays and Saturdays, only on the Midas Touch Network. I'm going to follow. We're going to do continuity here. We don't, we don't blow smoke. We don't blow sunshine. And we follow those important stories like this one at the intersection of law and politics from the beginning to the end. We don't just do the headlines. Hey, Kathy Latham filed some crazy removal motion today in court. 
We talk about that. We talk about the filing that was done in opposition to it, the hearing that, that ultimately resolved the issue, the ruling, and then we follow it and bring it to you here in analytics just like this one on this kind of hot take. So until the next hot take, this is Michael Popak, Legal AM. Hey, Midas Mighty, love this report? Continue the conversation by following us on Instagram, at Midas Touch, to keep up with the most important news of the day. What are you waiting for? Follow us now.
everything at this moment. For my life, you don't love me no more. Choosing ABS, the new tummy tuck alternative. I got the tummy tuck results without the tummy tuck downtime. Get a flat, tight tummy fast with Sonabello's new. Okay, so Lev, look, it's been one hell of a week watching Trump and Rudy and all of the other co-conspirators turn themselves in for you know for booking at Fulton County Jail. Now, we have both suffered from the lies the narcissism and the greed of these men. Do me a favor, discuss with my listeners how you felt as their mugshots were being plastered all over the world. Uh, it, was a, it, was, it was a, you know, first of all, it was very surreal, but it was, it was amazing. I mean, it was something that finally, you know, accountability was being served by people that were getting away with all kinds of shit and blaming other people and like yourself and me and others that had to suffer for their crimes, their, their things that they did. And now they were finally giving uh, accountability. I mean, look, Trump, this is his fourth one. What I was really very happy about is finally Rudy. Rudy got accountability, and I should have it. Rico. <laughs> the law that he perfected is now, you know. Yeah, Rico, yeah, Rico, Rudy, Rico Rudy. That became, that became a, uh, a trending thing on, uh, on the platform X. Yeah, platform X, you don't even have Twitter X, it's like, uh, things change, it's crazy. Yeah, but it's, but it's true, you know, and then Rudy started to come out, very Trumpian, and he talked about the violation of his First Amendment rights, he talked about the weaponization of the Justice Department, this is all the shit that they were involved in when it came to me. So I love the fact that they're trying to deflect on what they know that they did, believing that they could somehow alter the universe, alter reality into making themselves, which is what Rudy really wants for himself. He wants to be a martyr like Donald. He wants to go down in history as a guy who was abused fighting for justice. Those days are over. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it's like, you know, a liar calling you a liar. I mean, that's the bottom line. I mean, they, it's their own actions, what they did, you know, weaponizing the Justice Department when Trump had Bill Barr at his side and doing what they did to you, did to me and other people. Uh, you trying to, you know, uh, basically use the justice system against little Americans. And now when they're getting uh, accountability for their crimes, they're trying to cry wolf, basically. It's, it's incredible. Yeah, it most certainly is. And then, of course, you know, Rudy has a slew of financial issues. Oh, absolutely. I don't know if you saw, he recently just uh, listed his apartment um, here on Madison Avenue. He went with Bob Costello to Mar-a-Lago for a pilgrimage for money. 
the big. <laughs> that didn't turn out. That didn't turn out so well. What's the deal, as you know it, with Rudy and money? The fact that what did he get? A hundred and fifty thousand dollar bond, and yep. he has no money within which to pay for the bond, or he has no cash as well in order to get copies of documents that he needs to defend himself. Tell, go through the whole Rudy story. He can't even hire an attorney. Well, I mean, Rudy's been going through financial difficulties ever since his divorce. Ever since he was getting divorced, he has been trying to hide money, trying to deflect money, trying to somehow get money through other sources, so for her not to see it, you know, for him to be able to hide it for himself. So he's been going through financial difficulties as, well, as long as I've known him. We've had to pay for dinners, private planes. I mean, he likes the grift. He likes to use it and have people pay for him and do things and pretend that, you know, it's a privilege to take care of Rudy Giuliani, pay for his dinner or pay for his hotel room or pay for his private jet. So, yeah, I mean, uh, this doesn't it doesn't surprise me, especially with all the civil lawsuits. You know, the one from Noel Dumfries, she's suing him for, I think, over $10 million. You got Rudy, uh, Rudy, I'm sorry, so, uh, from the lady from Georgia and her daughter suing him, which he's already basically lost that case. He's come out and admitted that he lied, even though he tries to pretend that, you know, he know that's just a filing, that he doesn't admit to any lying. So, yeah, I mean, uh, and I think uh, right now the grift is on. You see him going out there trying to do what Trump does and say the same exact words that he does, that I'm fighting for you, support me, and uh, trying to collect money off uh, regular people that, you know, might not have the money for their own weekly salary, you know, food and stuff like that to send it to Rudy because of a con that he basically perpetrated and set up. So, I mean, I think he's in a world of shit, you know. Uh, he doesn't even have the money for an attorney. He had to, you know, his attorney came out the one that had him in Georgia, and said that he doesn't even know if they're going to have a relationship or he just represented him basically for the bail bonds here. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, it's it's just, and Donald Trump, I mean, he's never paid him any money. He always tried to get money from uh, Trump. He's always tried to play that role where, you know, Trump's going to take care of me. But every time, you know, even back in the day, Trump never gave him any money. Trump always told him, Rudy, just, you know, fuck off, basically, <laughs> and never gave any money. But the interesting part is now, uh, I saw uh, that there, Trump has tried to hold a fundraiser for him at that minister, $100,000 plate. How's that going to work? They're both uh, in their bond hearing. They both signed that they cannot speak to each other. They, they're co-conspirators. Cohen died a defendant. And now, all of a sudden, they're going to be together at a... Uh, you know, Van Jones actually uh, touched on this the other night. And that's not exactly what it says. What it says is that they cannot discuss, he cannot discuss, threaten, intimidate, try to harass another um, defendant, any of the co-defendants or co-conspirators in this case. So technically he could be in the same location. He could throw a fundraiser. I'm not sure who the hell would go and spend $100,000 in honor of Rudy's <laughs> legal bills, but I, I mean, I really don't. Uh, what benefit do you get out of it? The answer is zero. But they can't talk about the case. The case right. And something that Van said, which, which I thought was interesting, well, this is going to make, obviously, um, understanding or tracking what they're doing basically impossible, right? Where, how are you going to know at a private club when there's maybe, what, 10, 15 people uh, in there, and if they could even get 10, 15 people, right, how are you 
going to ever know what it is that they're talking about in private? And the answer is you won't. And the answer is both Donald and Rudy are so corrupt. Their core is so corrupt that as things progress, there's no doubt in my mind that they'll be in the same place and that they will oh, end up discussing this. The problem is that Bonnie Willis, the prosecutors, they'll never know. And there is no way to actually find that out. Yeah, I mean, that was what he said now back in the day. I mean, every time he would always uh, mention it to me and pride himself saying that they hate him at the White House because he used to use the attorney privilege client, attorney client privilege routine where he would walk in and because he was Trump's attorney, nobody would be in the Oval and the two of them could speak about whatever they wanted without it being notes taken. So, I mean, that, that's exactly, you know, that mafia style of, you know, <laughs> we could talk about. But, you know, the surprising part with these bumbling fools, anything is possible. Somebody will record him, somebody will overhear him, and, you know, it's just they're, they're, they're cool, they can't shoot straight, so I wouldn't put it anything past them. <laughs> I wouldn't put it past Rudy to record it himself. Himself, but, 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 but you know <laughs> what? Two people showed up, 200 grand is not going to do anything regarding this. I need the, you know, $5 million that you owe me, you know, um, <laughs> because you, do you remember when Rudy turned around and said, you know, that I have an insurance policy, don't worry, yeah. and so on. Do you have any idea what that insurance policy was? Uh, that was just bullshit. That was uh, Rudy bumbling and saying things that, you know, he was saying he had no insurance policy, uh, unless the, the insurance policy was that he, Trump, knew everything that was going on with Ukraine and Venezuela and everything that the shadow diplomacy was doing that we were a part of. I mean, that could have been it, but then that came out, so I don't think Rudy really had an insurance policy as far as I think that's just a bumbling. Well, you know, look, so it's, I found, and I always find Rudy to be just a pathetic human being. And the thing that I was curious about is as I was watching Rudy going to surrender to um, the Fulton County Jail, he flew privately. <laughs> now, if you're crying for money, and, I, and I'm not the only one who said this, but I certainly said it, if you're crying for money, you can't afford a lawyer, you can't afford your bail, what are you doing flying? He was flying on a 15-passenger flight. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. That, that's Do you have thing. any idea? Who's, whose plane is that? I have no idea whose plane that is, but, you know, the grift is real. I mean, that, that's, in, I don't believe that Rudy, Rudy doesn't have money that he could show. I think he has money that's hidden. I think Rudy has, the, you know, the people that he works like, you know, he used to behind the scenes where he puts other people in front to do contracts, to do work. And then they owe him on the back end. So I think he has, you know, uh, listen, that's the crazy part. For being just a, a big-time law-abiding supposedly citizen and somebody that took down the mob and the access to the United States attorney, mayor, and somebody that ran for president, he's as crooked as they come. He knows how to play the, the game. He knows how to hide and play in all of this stuff. And then you can see it even in his reactions and the way he's going about, you know, these civil cases that he has going on by trying to hide money and trying to pretend that certain things didn't happen when they're factually happening, trying to use technicalities instead of, you know, proving that he's innocent. Yeah, but he's not the only one who tries that, right? I mean, that's a, that's a common sort of what they call rich man's problem. 
right? When right. you know you have all these the big case that's going to really fuck Rudy terribly is the Dominion case. Where oh yeah. Pulled into, and that's the one. I, look, the Ruby Freeman Shy Moss one. He's going to lose that one. That's millions. But yeah. the Dominion one that goes to a number that <laughs> even if you're, even if you're worth a billion dollars, you yeah. still can't afford to pay that to pay that. So he'll end up in a situation where whatever he has will end up basically being seized and sold, including whatever monies he may end up with as a result of the sale of this property. Don't forget, he owes you know, his ex-wife um, a couple million dollars, I yeah. think, uh, in terms of from the divorce uh, settlement. So he's not going to walk away, and I don't know whether or not that there's a mortgage on that property either, but he's not walking away with, say, $6 million here. You know, the bulk of that's going elsewhere. And whatever else is sort of left over, I'm pretty sure that whether it's Shea Moss or Rudy Freeman or whether it be Dominion or whoever else has lawsuits against Rudy, I'm pretty sure that they're going to try to tie that up. Because as smart as Rudy thinks he is, you can't have, yeah, you can't have somebody paying for your life when you have these sorts of judgments against you. And you're single. Now, had he stayed with his ex-wife and, you know, maybe she, you know, was the owner of the company and she's the one making the payments and he basically has nothing and he's living, at, you know, so to speak, off of her. But he was too stupid for that. What is it, like his fourth wife or something like yeah. that? And it's funny because he's such a disgusting man. I mean, in terms of looks, in terms of behavior, <laughs> attitude. You ever see the way he eats? He's, he's a slob, yeah. Fingers? He's, he's a, a slob. slob. He's, he's drunk. Off, he's off, he Yeah. I mean, gross. Yeah. I think one of the things he's, uh, I've been hearing that he's trying to be outsmart uh, some of these lawsuits by selling the places in New York, and he wants to buy something here in Florida and use the Homestead Act and try to protect himself on whatever he purchases here. It'll be interesting to see if he's able to do that or if they can pierce that. But, you know, yeah, he's definitely right now trying to hide anything he possibly can. He knows his days are numbered. He knows it. I mean, you can yeah, tell I, I don't think he's going to really have to worry about living you know, um, scenario, because I do really believe, you know, and I said this the other day on television, I believe that folks like Rudy and um, John Eastman and some yeah. of these other co-conspirators, they're going to all end up, they're going to all end up in prison. Yeah, I don't know what, what term, and so they're going to all end up in prison. So I think Donald will, and I say this begrudgingly, I don't. Number one, I don't think he would end up, even if found guilty, I think they'll put him into a serious home confinement situation. Because look at the way they treated him yesterday. Like a fucking king. Like a, like nobility. Like the president. 40-man motorcade, shutting down the roads, opening up the yeah. skies for him to get to what? To a fingerprint mugshot as an indicted defendant? And you get this sort of treatment? We're listening to Lev Parnas on Michael Cohen's Mayor podcast. The sale for like you know, thirteen million dollars. It's a, a private residence, with eleven million, whatever it is. Yeah, so it's it's nonsensical. But let's discuss for a second Trump's motion. Do you think? Like, do you think that he practiced giving that mad dog look to the camera? Right, because it's instantly now iconic. 
iconic for all the wrong reasons, as he's already, already now on t-shirts and, and coffee mugs and being used by Donald yep. as a means of fundraising. I think it was all a plan. Absolutely. I think it was all, you know, even the Tucker Carlson interview on X, and then all of a sudden him posting on X yesterday uh, with his mugshot as his first post, and then uh, 10 minutes later you got Don Jr., all of a sudden posting all the, you know, to buy the mugs and the T-shirts with it. It was all pre-played, pre-planned. You know, it was a, basically he's using his supporters as suckers, and it's it's sad to see that they're falling for it. And, you know, it's crazy. I mean, it, it, he knew exactly that that's what he planned to do, you know, to surrender prime time. And every, everything he did with that, uh, turning himself into the uh, jail was pre, pre-planned. You know, notion to be able to raise money off of it and grift with some more. It's it's really amazing, isn't it? Yeah. So here's a guy who needs to surrender for the fourth time. This time to have a mugshot taken, and all of a sudden it becomes a shit show. And the one thing that he's thinking, the thing that he's speaking to all of the. Uh, aides that he has around, uh, whatever the group is that's there now, I don't know any, really any of them anymore. Should I look angry? Should I look happy? Should I look defiant? What visual do I want to portray to the American people? Forget about the fact that you, your aunt's going to jail. You're right. There's 91 counts currently pending against him. Mind you, that doesn't even include Tish James, our unsinkable New York Attorney General, yep. that has the civil case against him, yep. that has a minimum of $250 million. I believe it'll go more towards 700 So Don Jr. can think whatever he wants as it relates to Mar a Lardo, because that place is going to end up getting seized. By the way, for the homestead, that's not going to work either. The only way, you know, that I know that you said you were talking about. That go, the yeah, that's going to protect uh, from civil. Yeah, but that only protects, uh, yeah, not the criminal. Um, but one of the things that's, again, odd is the fact that all he's thinking about, and it goes to the narcissistic sociopathy of the man, the one thing that he's thinking about, the thing that's most important to him, not his freedom, not. The embarrassment, it's not the embarrassment to the country. It's how should I look when I'm having that mugshot taken? <laughs> and he's got this like mad dog sort of defiant, <laughs> obnoxious, angry, scowling look on his face. And I just wonder, because knowing him as well as I do, there's no doubt that he stood in front of the mirror and cracked. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, he, there's no doubt about that one. But I wonder, I wonder, how long do you think that it took him to finally get it down? Oh, it's, I think half the day, I think all day, that's why, until the, so they got into the plane. And even on the plane, I'm sure he kept going into the mirror, in the bathroom, and looking in the mirror, and looking at himself. I, mean, I wonder how many people, he, could you imagine, I wonder how many people he would say, hey, look, look, what do you think of this face? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Jason Miller, Susie Wow. Hey, what do you think? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, he's in, he's insane, you know. And it's funny he posts on his uh, ex, uh, never surrender. Meanwhile, he's already surrendered four times. 
Four, he surrendered four times, but I mean, it's just, uh, it's ridiculous to see how the people uh, that are, you know, part of his cult, or the mega cult, are so, like, blinded to his, uh, to what everything he's doing. It's like, it's, uh, that's the scary part, that, you know, our country, you know, is so divided. I mean, he's, he, he was able to divide us to such a degree, and to have, you know, try to have them believe that the justice system is now weaponizing. <clears throat> Chad. as Biden's justice system. And, it, and the funny part is it's all Republicans. All the witnesses against them are Republicans. All the witnesses that are given uh, Republicans. There's no Democrats involved and nobody's real. So now they're all rhinos, they're, they're traitors. It's just a one lie after another. And it, it just, it's just incredible to see. I mean, we're living in a crazy time right now. And it's no less of a lie than that he's six foot three and 215 pounds. <laughs> He couldn't even hold himself I mean, back on the, on the weight. He just, he lies. You know, people don't realize that. You know better than most. I mean, everything comes out of his mouth. And there's some lie to something. I mean, he just can't stop it. He just can't stop himself. You've obviously had your own personal journey involved with, especially Rudy Kaludi going through Yeah. I'm curious, as the defendants begin to turn on one another in this Georgia case, do you think that Rudy will have to turn on Trump? And if not, if not, what do these men have on one another that's actually keeping them loyal to one another? I can't figure it out. It's not loyalty, Michael. Neither one of them knows what the word loyal is. They use the word loyalty to be able to push other people to try to be loyal to them, but with loyalty with either one of them goes one way. So they don't have loyalty. They, they, it, it's, it's a little different. I think with Rudy, I don't think he's going to flip. I said I think you're going to have the others like Sidney Powell, you're going to have maybe Clark because he knows the justice system. He knows where, you know, when eventually the pressure starts coming down, he knows what the end results are going to be. And, and other people, there's, you know, 18 other individuals there that I don't think are going to want to go to prison for 5, 10 years or even more for Donald Trump. I think this is the process of the beginning. And, you know, once they start pushing, it gets scarier and scarier, and people start understanding that their now livelihoods, their families are going to get destroyed. So I think lots of people are going to flip on them. And Rudy, I don't believe so. I think uh, he's at a time in his life where he's, you know, in poker when they say you're all in, he doesn't have any more chips left. He's never going to be accepted by the right, I mean by the left. He's never going to be accepted by any normal people. The only crowd he has to, you know, uh, be in front of is that mega cult individuals, and if he turns on Trump, he loses that. Plus, you know, for him to turn, he's still probably going to be looking at some sort of jail time. I mean, I don't see that they give him a complete immunity deal to be able to turn on Trump. And what is he going to do? What does he have left? How is he going to be able to grip? How is he going to be able to survive? So, no, I think Rudy's going to play it till the end. He's going to try to. I think he also is hoping, just like Trump is, that he wins and then he'll pardon all of them. And, you know, they have their but own. But this is a Georgia. This is a state case. He can't pardon him on 
price, but they're still thinking they're going to try to move it to federal. I mean, these people are narcissists. You know, they they don't they don't under, they don't look at reality the way normal people look at reality. They have a, a reality in their own little box and vision of the way they see it and the way it's going to be. Uh, plus, at his age, you know, he's thinking he's going to prolong it. You know, he's going to you know appeal it. There's so many different things. He's not looking at it that's happening tomorrow. And I think that's where, you know, but the closer it gets, it's going to be interesting to see how this whole thing plays out. Because even in Trump's fundraisers right now, it's all about him. It's not about the other 19 people. I mean, just take a look at Jenna Ellis. I mean, that's just hilarious. She turned on Trump, basically started supporting DeSantis. And now if you see her tweets, it's every day supporting Trump because trying to get some money from him to help him help her with her legal fees because he's not paying it. But they don't realize he's not paying anybody's legal fees. But that's, but that's why I asked you this question, because, and we could use, instead of taking Rudy Giuliani out of it and put any one of the 18 uh, co-defendants or the, you know, co-conspirators into this, he's not paying anybody's legal bills. He's not helping anybody. I mean, Rudy's the only one that he's helping to the extent of hosting a fundraiser, and I'm pretty sure... No one's going to show up. I mean, I, I, I don't, I truly, I, I don't, I, can't I truly don't see it. I can't, I mean, I, a hundred grand a plate. I mean, it's, it's, a, <laughs> by the way, that in and of itself is fucking obnoxious. But when I ask you, you know, that they'll turn on one another in this case. So let's just use Rudy for a quick second. Donald's not paying his legal bills. He's not assisting regarding the bonds. That's already been done. He doesn't have a lawyer because he can't afford a lawyer right now. He's looking at substantial jail time. The way I see it, the only thing that he actually has to offer is information. And if he does that, maybe he could negotiate some sort of a immunity on a 5K1 type deal. Maybe it's possible. Anything is possible. But so far, Trump has demonstrated that there is no reciprocity when it comes to loyalty. It's all about Donald. And one thing Rudy, I do believe, understands is that what will happen is Trump will throw him under the bus. You see, Rudy always looked at me. You remember this when we saw each other. For example, you were with Rudy and uh, a couple of other guys over at the Trump Hotel in D.C., and you remember listening to Rudy talking to me, so what about this? What about that? How did you do that? How do you do that? Because he was basically picking through information to figure out how to be the next Michael Cohen. Yeah. Well, it's, it's true. And now he is the next Michael Cohen. He's now an indicted individual with a mugshot, and he is going to be going up against a fierce district attorney Yep. that looks at him like the piece of shit that he is and wants to put him away unless there's some form of cooperation that he can give that benefits her, Bonnie Willis, and the prosecution. So for me, I don't see Rudy wanting to go to prison. And I, I take everything that you said, and I agree with it. He has nothing else. He still has his freedom. And the one thing I know that he does not want is to be inside of any facility. 
Least of all, you know where they have to turn themselves into if they're found guilty? That's Fulton County Jail, which is, according to many, worse than Rikers Island. And that's pretty bad. Rikers is pretty bad. But you know what, Michael? I mean, everything you're saying makes sense for a normal, common-sense individual. But we're dealing with a narcissistical, crazy individual that doesn't think the same way you would think. Plus, you know, the biggest thing he doesn't have, not only doesn't he have money, he doesn't have support. He doesn't have loving support around him that could advise him the proper way. I mean, he only has people that are grifting off of him. They're trying to use him for whatever their privilege is, whatever they want to get out of him. And, you know, he also, keep in mind, you know, just like I know, Rudy thinks he's a mobster. So he, uh, he's playing that tough guy role that I'm going to, you know, like the Don. I'm not going to talk. I'm going to deal with it. I'm going to show them. I'm going to win. I'm going to prevail at the end. And so they're looking at 20 years to prison, and then you know how it goes. So, yeah, I mean, the logical sense would be absolutely. Rudy should be right now sitting at uh, not only Fonnie Willis, but Jack Smith's office and try and cut the best possible deal and save his ass and, you know, put an end to this and save the country save the country from the may- mayhem that's going on. But instead, he's fueling out, putting the fuel to the fire. He's spreading more lies, continuously, you know, spreading, you know, that same propaganda that, that uh, Trump is spreading. And uh, it, it's funny, they asked Trump, uh, do you think Rudy's going to flip by you? And he said, no, Rudy's strong. Rudy could take care of himself. Rudy, <laughs> Rudy could take care of himself. He didn't say, I got it. Hey, Rudy could take care of himself. Like, he's, he's strong. He'll stand up to it. So, yeah, I, 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 in, in the real world, you're 100% right. But just knowing Rudy being around him, I'd be surprised if he if he could flip. Not because it's not the right thing or it's just, you know, he's it's his whole MO. It's who he thinks he is. It's, you know, he's he basically sold his soul. And, and the narcissism drives him to a, a totally different pro, uh, level. Yeah, I went to a Bernie Carrick hanging around here. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, right? I mean, what the hell, what the hell was that all about? I mean, that's hilarious. I mean, it, all of a sudden, Bernie Carrick is going with them to Georgia. That's another co-conspirator, unindicted co-conspirator. I don't know how they're getting around all of these. I think they're going to get tripped up with some of this stuff. This is going to if you take a list of all the co-conspirators and the conspirators and the indicted individuals, eventually somewhere they're going to get tripped up, I think. It's, uh, I mean, Carrick uh, has his own problems. <laughs> and now he's running around with Rudy. This is a guy that basically went to prison. You know, he was the chief of police, and then he went to prison. Because he had, uh, you know, uh, immigrants were that were working and he wasn't paying them. I mean, it's crazy, crazy Cassidy. So look, Rico Rudy made his reputation in the '80s using Rico, right, as a potent weapon to take down the mobsters. Now, of course, the tables have turned, and he has to face the music, largely, as you said before, of his own creation. So. If the prosecution asked you to testify against Rudy, would you go to Georgia? And what would you want the world to know about Rudy that they already don't know? No, absolutely. I definitely, you know, uh, would go to Georgia, and, uh, you know, or anywhere else, and I'd do my civil duty and tell the truth under oath and everything that I know about Rudy. I mean, listen. There's not so much that the world doesn't know about Rudy, uh, but uh, it's a different hearing it from the horse's mouth that Rudy will go to any extreme and will do illegal things to be and try to hide them, whereas, you know, uh, people can't imagine it yet because of his background, because of who he was and the way he comes out says it. But Rudy does, you know, try to 
uh, you know, uh, hide money, uh, not pay taxes, and do some of the crimes that he, you know, put other people away to prison for. You know what's amazing? I was watching um, this new uh, miniseries, the one with uh, Matthew Broderick. I forget what it's, what it's called, but it's all about Oxy. Right, and Richard Sackler's where Matthew Broderick plays. Oh, that's another one I didn't get. I didn't see it yet. Yeah, yeah, I forget the name of it, but it's fantastic. It's a, another dope stick. It's the first one I feel. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the reason I bring it up is I didn't know that Rudy was involved in assisting Sackler to get the FDA approvals and in order to stop the. Uh, Indictments against Sackler uh, for basically lying and paying off people at you know the uh, at the F- FDA, at the FDA uh, in order to get this language put into the, um, yeah. you know, to the script uh, for Oxy, which of course has wreaked havoc on this country and other countries to the extent only maybe COVID or heroin has. Yeah. I mean, I didn't know that either uh, when I found out, when people started telling me that after, yeah, I haven't seen it yet, but I've heard about it, and that doesn't surprise me, Michael. I mean, it was the same way that he dealt with when, when he was dealing with Turkey, underhanded to be able, for his own purposes, try to uh, manipulate uh, the president's office to be able to give certain, you know, uh, pardons and certain releases. Same way he manipulated Ukraine and individuals in Ukraine. Uh, same way he dealt with uh, Venezuela. I mean, I've seen the pattern over and over, and that's why I write about my book, Shadow Diplomacy, that's coming out soon. That I think it will give a real good look at how Rudy uh, used the power of the office with Trump to be able to do all, under, all kinds of underhanded things. That's the only reason why he was sticking around Trump. He always, through Giuliani partners, that's what he was all about, yep. selling and peddling influence whether it was legit or not. What most people ultimately found out is that he was full of shit, you know? <laughs> um, you know? Uh, and that, you know, that they had this ability in order to get X, Y, and Z done, and he would take huge, huge... You know, by the way, it's Netflix that it's on. It's called Painkiller. Painkiller, um, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, he would try to peddle <clears throat> this influence that he did not have. And after a short while, people were like, hey, 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 whoa, whoa. I'm paying you really big money here, and you made an uh, you made a claim that you can do X, Y, and Z. So far, you've accomplished shit. Absolutely. And that's why his reputation got wrecked early, early on. And you know, he's in the financial situation that he's in because you're not wrong when you say he's full of shit. But I want to ask you this, love, because knowing the behind scenes, the foot soldiers who did and continue to do. A lot of Trump's dirty work. Yep. Describe to me how Trump gives orders to men like Giuliani. See, I and I'm gonna. I, I know how he would give me orders. No, no. And I'm I mean, gonna answer the question too. But how would he give orders to Rudy if you were around and you were listening? I mean, it's, I'll give you a simple fact: how he gave me an order. You know, when we were at the White House and uh, uh, he wanted, you know, we were there to discuss Ukraine. He turned around to me. He looked at me. He said. Rudy tells me good things. Keep up the good work with a wink and a pat on the back. I mean, Trump, uh, if anybody's ever, you know, I mean, you both lived in New York, and we, uh, through our background, have experiences of dealing with, uh, you know, people from 
the other side uh, from the mob and seeing how they operate. And that's exactly what Trump is all about. I mean, he doesn't talk directly or straight to what he wants us. He's like, oh, Rudy, can you get me this? I mean, that that would it would be great if there was if this case, if this came out or. Oh really? This this will be you know like in these conversations without giving a direct order to say go get this. You know he would be talking about like you know in code language like uh, you know just in case. And that's because he grew up around the mob. He grew up around all these guys and watch how they talk and mimic them. And that's uh, how he talks to uh, you know when he gives orders. Not just to Rudy, but other people. I heard him talking to like you know over the phone with like John Solomon who was a a reporter for the, one of the guys that was on the team that I called the BLT team. I mean, Victoria and something in them. I mean, it would, it would be like in a question, or, or it would be great. It would be in a, one of those type of a scenario without Pat actually telling him what he wanted to do. He would have them come out and say, "Oh, well, we could do this. Oh, that's great. That's that's that 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 would be that would be a great thing. That would be fascinating. I mean, stuff like that." Yeah, it's. I said it. Going back to my first book with oil, I say you know, it's like he speaks like a mob boss. Exactly. You know? It reminds me, like for me, when I was sitting with him in the White House, and we were having a conversation, and he said, Michael, Michael, there's no, no Russia. There's no, there's no collusion. It's all a witch hunt. You understand? There's no Russia, Russia, Russia. And th- I knew exactly what he wanted me to he knew that I knew what he wanted me to say but technically he never said anything right right. and it's um it's an art I got to give him that you know sometimes it was a little bit more specific where he would actually like with Russia he would actually mention it but how many times have you heard him say something like hey you know that thing that you were looking at right how great would it be if that thing just went away Right? And I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about like killing somebody and no, getting right. rid of the body. I'm talking no, about a headache and information, a yeah. problem, you know, a, uh, a, a story or whatever it might be. And that's just the way that the guy speaks. I mean, he did the same thing to all of these January 6th insurrectionists. It's yeah. the same sort of language that he puts out there. And the danger that we have with something like that, with someone who doesn't speak straight, it's how you interpret what he's saying. Now, you're not a killer, and so you're interpreting it like X. Right. But what about a guy who's somewhat off the rocker? Yeah. Def- how about let's say defective in the mind? Yeah. And he's seeing it as Donald telling him to go to the Capitol smash through the windows and the doors, right? Try to find Mike Pence to hang him. Try to catch up with Nancy Pelosi to kill her. This is what these people are thinking. And they're thinking that that's what Donald Trump has told them to do. Yeah, so he's playing a very dangerous He's playing a very dangerous game with people's lives. But he wants you to believe that. He wants you to have fear and apprehension in that way. Like so many, like so many of them, they they want to be, you know, they, they just want to take their head, stick it in the sand, <laughs> and then come up in a year from now and hope that this whole fucking disaster, this whole nightmare is over. Yeah, I mean, he's destroyed so many lives. I mean, in his wake, everything, you know, the, everybody he meets, everybody he touches, 
And that's another thing, you know, it, it's funny to say, like, uh, people that support him don't even know him. Like, there's no, all right. these people have never met him, they never talked to him, they have no idea what he's all about. And then they go after people like you, like me, like Miles Taylor, and other people that have spent time with him, that has worked for him, that have done things for him, and they don't want to listen to what exactly this human being is about and what, what it's all about to at least analyze it. You know, and they call us liars. It's uh, hilarious. <laughs> to watch it.
So let's just use Rudy for a quick second. Donald's not paying his legal bills. He's not assisting regarding the bond. That's already been done. He doesn't have a lawyer because he can't afford a lawyer right now. He's looking at substantial jail time. The way I see it, the only thing that he actually has to offer is information. And if he does that, maybe he could negotiate some sort of a immunity on a 5K1 type deal. Maybe it's possible. Anything is possible. But so far, Trump has demonstrated that there is no reciprocity when it comes to loyalty. It's all about Donald. And one thing Rudy, I do believe, understands is that what will happen is Trump will throw him under the bus. You see, Rudy always looked at me. You remember this when we saw each other. For example, you were with Rudy and uh, a couple of other guys over at the Trump Hotel in D.C. And you remember listening to Rudy talking to me, so what about this? What about that? How did you do that? How do you do that? Because he was basically picking for information to figure out how to be the next Michael Cohen. (laughs) Well, it's, it's true. And now he is the next Michael Cohen. He's now an indicted individual with a mugshot, and he is going to be going up against a fierce district attorney that looks at him like the piece of shit that he is and wants to put him away, unless there's some form of cooperation that he can give that benefits her, Bonnie Willis, and the prosecution. So for me, I don't see Rudy wanting to go to prison, and I I take everything that you said, and I agree with it. He has nothing else. He still has his freedom. And the one thing I know that he does not want is to be inside of any facility. Least of all, you know where they have to turn themselves into if they're found guilty? That Fulton County Jail, which is, according to many, Worse than Rikers Island. And that's pretty bad. Rikers is pretty bad. But you know what, Michael? I mean, everything you're saying makes sense for a normal, common-sense individual. But we're dealing with a narcissistic, little, crazy individual that doesn't think the same way you would think. Plus, you know, the biggest thing he doesn't have, not only doesn't he have money, he doesn't have support. He doesn't have loving support around him that could advise him the proper way. I mean, he only has people that are grifting off of him. They're trying to use him for whatever their privilege is, whatever they want to get out of him. And, you know, he also, keep in mind, you know, just like I know, Rudy thinks he's a mobster. So he uh, he's playing that tough guy role that I'm going to, you know, like the Don. I'm not going to talk. I'm going to deal with it. I'm going to show them. I'm going to win. I'm going to prevail at the end until they're looking at 20 years to prison. And then, you know how it goes. So, yeah, I mean, the logical sense would be absolutely we should be right now sitting at the, or not only Bonnie Willis, but Jack Smith office and try and cut the best possible deal, save his ass, and, you know, put an end to this and save the country. Save the country from the may- mayhem that's going on. But instead, he's fueling out, putting the fuel to the fire. He's been spreading more lies, continuously, you know, spreading, you know, that same propaganda that, that Trump is spreading. And yeah, it, it's funny. They asked Trump, uh, do you think Rudy's going to thump at you? And he said, no, Rudy's strong. Rudy could take care of himself. Rudy's strong. Rudy could take care of himself. He didn't say, I got it. Rudy could take care of himself. But he, he's strong. He'll stand up to it. 
So yeah, I, I, uh, in, in the real world, you're 100% right. But just knowing Rudy being around him, I'd be surprised if he if he flipped. Not because it's not the right thing, or it's just you know he it's his whole mo. It's who he thinks he is. It's, you know he's he basically sold his soul, and with the narcissism drives him to a, a totally different pro, uh, level. Yeah, I went to a Bernie Kerrick hanging around. <laughs> yeah, I mean, right? I mean, what the hell? What the hell was that all about? I mean, that's hilarious. I mean, it also Bernie Carrick is going with the Georgia. That's another co-conspirator, unindicted co-conspirator. I don't know how they're getting around all of these. I think they're going to get tripped up with some of the stuff. This is gonna be, if you take a list of all the co-conspirators and the conspirators and the indicted individuals, eventually somewhere they're going to get tripped up, I think. That's, I mean, Carrick has his own problems. <laughs> and now he's running around with really, This is a guy that basically went to prison. You know, he was the chief of police, and then he went to prison. Because he had, uh, you know, uh, immigrants were that were working and he wasn't paying them. I mean, it's crazy, crazy casting. So look, Rico Rudy made his reputation in the '80s using Rico right as a potent weapon to take down the mobster. Now, of course, the tables have turned, and he has to face the music largely, as you said before, of his own creation. So. If the prosecution asked you to testify against me, would you go to Georgia? And what would you want the world to know about me that they already don't know? Well, absolutely. I definitely, you know, uh, would go to Georgia, and I, you know, or anywhere else. And I'd do my civil duty and tell the truth under oath and, and everything that I know about Rudy. I mean, listen. There's not too much that the world doesn't know about Rudy, uh, but uh, it's different hearing it from the horse's mouth that Rudy will go to any extreme and will do illegal things to be and try to hide him. Whereas, you know, uh, people can't imagine it yet because of his background, because of who he was and the way he comes out says it. But Rudy does, you know, try to, uh, you know, uh, hide money. Uh, not pay taxes and do some of the crimes that he, you know, put other people away in prison for. You know what's amazing? I was watching um, this new uh, miniseries, the one with uh, Matthew Broderick. I forget what it, what it was called, but it's all about oxen. Right, and Richard Sackler is what Matthew Broderick plays. Oh, that's another one I didn't get. I didn't see it yet. Yeah. Yeah, I forget the name of it, but it's fantastic. A, another dope sick is the first one I feel. Anyway, the reason I bring it up is I didn't know that Rudy was involved in assisting Sackler to get the FDA approvals and in order to stop the uh, indictments against Sackler uh, for basically lying and paying off people at you know the. At the FDA, at the FDA uh, in order to get this language put into the, um, yeah. the, the script uh, for Oxy, which of course has wreaked havoc on this country and other countries to the extent only maybe COVID or heroin has. Yeah, I mean, I didn't know that either uh, when I found out, when people started telling me that after, I haven't seen it yet, but I've heard about it, and that doesn't surprise me, Michael. I mean, it was the same way that he dealt with when, when he was dealing with Turkey, underhanded to be able, for his own purposes, try to 
manipulate the president's office to be able to give certain, you know, uh, pardons and certain releases. Same way he manipulated Ukraine and individuals in Ukraine. Uh, same way he dealt with uh, Venezuela. I mean, I've seen the pattern over and over, and that's why I write about my book, Shadow Diplomacy, that's coming out soon. That I think it'll give a real good look at how Rudy uh, used the power of the offices with Trump to be able to do all, underhand, all kinds of underhanded things. That's the only reason why he was sticking around Trump. He always, Giuliani partners, that's what he was all about. Yep. Selling and peddling influence, whether it was legit or not. What most people ultimately found out is that he was full of shit. You know, yeah. um, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and that, you know, that they had this ability in order to get X, Y, and Z done, and he would take huge, huge. By the way, it's Netflix that it's on. It's called Painkiller. Painkiller, um, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, he, he was trying to peddle this influence that he did not have. And after a short while, people are like, hey, 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 whoa, whoa. I'm paying you really big money here, and you made an, uh, you made a claim that you can do X, Y, and Z. So far, you've accomplished shit. Absolutely. And that's why his reputation got wrecked early, early on. And yeah, he's in the financial situation that he's in because you're not wrong when you say he's full of shit. But I want to ask you this, Lev, because knowing the behind the scenes, the foot soldiers who did and continue to do a lot of Trump's <clears throat> dirty work, yep. describe to me how Trump gives orders to men like Giuliani. And I'm gonna. I, I know how he would give me orders, no, no. and I'm gonna answer the question too. But how would he give orders to Rudy if you were around and you were listening? I mean, it's, I'll give you a simple fact: how he gave me an order. You know, when we were at the White House and uh, uh, he wanted, you know, we were there to discuss Ukraine. He turned around to me. He looked at me. And he said, "Rudy tells me good things. Keep up the good work." With a wink and a pat on the back. I mean. Trump, uh, if anybody's ever, you know, I mean, you both lived in New York, and we, uh, through our background, have experiences of dealing with, uh, you know, people from the other side, uh, from the mob, and seeing how they operate, and that's exactly what Trump is all about. I mean, he doesn't talk directly or straight to what he wants, and he's like, oh, Rudy, can you get me this? I mean, that would, that would, it would be great if there was, if this case, if this came out, or... Oh, really? This this would be, you know, like in these conversations, without giving a direct order and say, go get this, you know, he would be talking about, like, you know, in code language, like, uh, you know, just in case. And that's because he grew up around the mob. He grew up around all these guys and watch how they talk and mimic them. And that's uh, how he talks, uh, you know, when he gives orders, not just to Rudy, but other people I heard him talking to, like, you know, over the phone with, like, John Solomon, who was a, a reporter for the, one of the guys that was on the team. That I call the BOT team. I mean, Victoria and something and them. I mean, it would, it would be like in a question, or, or it would be great. It would be in a, one of those type of a scenario without actually telling them what he wants to do. He would have them come out and say, "Oh, well, we could do this. Oh, that's great. That's that's that 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 would be that would be a great thing. That would be fascinating. I mean, stuff like that." Yeah, it's. I said it going back to my first book was loyal. I say on TV, he speaks like a mob boss. Exactly. It reminds me, like for me, when I was sitting with him in the White House, and we were having a conversation, and he said, Michael, Michael, there's no, no Russia. There's no, no collusion. It's all a witch hunt. You understand? There's no Russia, Russia, Russia. And I knew exactly 
what he wanted me to say. He knew that I knew what he wanted me to say, but technically, he never said anything. Right? right. And it's, um, it's an art. I got to give him that. You know, sometimes it was a little bit more specific, where he would actually, like with Russia, he would actually mention it. But how many times have you heard him say something like, hey, you know that thing that you were looking at? Right? How great would it be if that thing just went away? Right? And I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about like killing somebody and no, getting right. rid of a body. I'm talking about a headache and information, a yeah. problem, you know, a, uh, a, a story or whatever it might be. And that's just the way that the guy speaks. I mean, he did the same thing to all of these January 6th insurrections. It's yeah. the same sort of cold language that he puts out there. And the danger that we have with something like that, with someone who doesn't speak straight, it's how you interpret what he's saying. Now, you're not a killer, and so you're interpreting it like X. Right. But what about a guy who's somewhat off the record? Yeah. How about let's say defective in the mind, yeah. and he's seeing it as Donald telling him to go to the Capitol smash through the windows and the doors, right? Try to find Mike Pence to hang him. Try to catch up with Nancy Pelosi to kill her. This is what these people are thinking. And they're thinking that that's what Donald Trump has told them to do. Yeah, so he's playing a very dangerous bet. He's playing a very dangerous game with people's lives. But he wants you to believe that. He wants you to have fear and apprehension in that way, but so many, but so many of them, they they want to be, you know, they, they just want to take their head, stick it in the sand, and then come up in a year from now and hope that this whole fucking disaster, this whole nightmare is over. Yeah, I mean, he's destroyed so many lives. I mean, in his wake, everything, you know, everybody he meets, everything he touches. And that's another thing, you know, it's funny to say, like, the people that support him don't even know him. Like, there's no, all right. these people have never met him, they never talk to him, they have no idea what he's all about. And then they go after people like you, like me, like Miles Taylor, and other people that have spent time with him, that has worked for him, that have done things for him. And they don't want to listen to what exactly this human being is about and what, what it's all about to so at least analyze it, you know, and they call us liars. It's uh, hilarious <laughs> to watch it. Yeah, that this that adage, everything from touching dies. Right, yeah. Now you got now you got another eighteen people. Another yeah. eighteen people. And I think so there's gonna be more because you remember there's also thirty unindicted co conspirators and there's still, you know, super, I think superseding indictments they're gonna hit in the federal uh, with Jack Smith. So I, I don't think this is Well this still the whole January sixth insurrection. Correct, yeah. yeah. And they're talking yeah. about Arizona, you know, those things that they're looking so I think they this is, you know, gonna go on for a while. So, look, you mentioned that you have this new book uh, on the way. Um, what, what's the name of it one more time? Shadow Diplomacy. Shadow Diplomacy. And you say in the book that there's things that the Trump does not want to come out. Correct. Now, Trump is now, today, facing four separate criminal indictments, not to mention the one civil. What's in your book? that you want to share, that he could possibly fear, beyond what he's already being charged with? 
uh, not only him, but Rudy and several other uh, people like Tommy Hicks, who's the co-chair of the RNC, and uh, you know, like certain congressmen, what was going on in Venezuela, and their relationship with Maduro, uh, the contracts that were signed by certain uh, top uh, uh, Trump supporters, uh, billions of barrels of oil, uh, in return for a quick, quick pro quo by allowing Maduro to do get a, a pass. I mean. I talk about exactly how it transpired, who was sent, how it was done, who was who was involved, the phone calls. Did they actually accomplish? Did they actually accomplish that? Was there actually a transfer of, of oil and and a quid pro quo, or was there it was just actually, a conversation? No, there was actually a contract signed. There was actually a contract signed, and it was going to go. But what we messed it all up was uh, like Bolton sending in uh, the insurrection that uh, the Guaido insurrection that you know Trump was not even. Uh, for, uh, which a lot of people don't realize, don't understand, because he was in the middle of working out a deal with Maduro. Wow. Wow. Because that's, I mean, that's Tommy Hicks' business. I mean, his family is in that oil and gas yep. from, you know, from Texas. Yep. He, he, was he happens to also, by the way, he happens to also be one of Don Jr.'s best friends. Yep. So there's no doubt in my mind that there's substantial kickback. Coming back here. I mean, look, is it any different than for, okay, so Don would have had the oil and gas. Jared Kushner has the, you know, Saudi Arabia. I mean, is there, is there anything, is there anything else? What about Eric? What about stupid Eric? Yeah, well, is there anything that he was in? He still believes that Trump is the only family that didn't make anything in the White House. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think he's, uh, they, they left him out. He doesn't know. <laughs> Because I, I also remember that there was a lot of conversation about 5G at the time. You know, at the, at the point in time that Trump uh, took office in 2016, it was, we were, you know, on the 4G program. But the 5G that they were talking about, that they wanted to own and control, I'm talking about like Don, you know, the whole group of, of the guys at Beach and Hicks yeah. and all of those guys. Yeah. Um, I'll never forget, they were talking about using a satellite that they would own, and that satellite would be able to handle the cell phone for everyone on the entire planet, and that they would own it in perpetuity. Could you imagine something like that, that individual or a group of individuals the ability Holy shit. to broadcast your, you know, your cell phone, um, crazy. you know, stream. Uh, I mean, it's you're talking about. I mean, it's like owning water, right? Yeah. I mean, who I mean, today it's... doesn't use a cell phone or doesn't have a smartphone? That would all be controlled by this satellite 5G. It was crazy, and then there were so many fights because so many people were trying to get in on it. And it was. Just absolutely crazy. So look, let me move on and say and ask you this then, because Trump dropped a really strange and cryptic, not that it's right, I mean it's Donald, but he drops this strange and cryptic social media post on Monday, saying that he might flee to Russia under the protection of Vladimir Putin. And it's, you can't make this shit up, no, right? So with Trump facing the prospect of real prison time, not necessarily out of the realm of possibility. Do me a favor. Walk us through how you think that you could even make something like that happen. Well, my only problem with seeing how that happens is because he has Secret Service around him. 
at 24 hours and, and they would have to report. But saying that, we've also seen how certain Secret Service uh, uh, are, what do you call it, you know, favorable towards him and ask him to do what he says. I mean, uh, all he would have to actually do is get on his plane and get out of uh, American airspace, you know, and then, uh, I mean, Russia would take him in 100% and allow him to get in there. I think it's a, a far-fetched. I think he's definitely dreaming and wants it, but I don't think, uh, you know, he's going to be able to get away with that, especially with all these indictments and everything that's happening. I think that, you know, they have, they're going to keep a good eye on him. You know what I think is interesting, though? I think very much like when he was talking about Hillary Clinton and her emails, the 35,000 emails, what I think he was doing was projecting a message to Putin. That's in a way that he's the same way that he did about oh how great would it be if you know if Russia found those thirty five thousand emails and released them you think you think that they just ignored it and say oh Donald was joking I wouldn't be shocked here if the whole purpose of this nonsensical cryptic strange you know post is really to say to Vladimir Putin hey I'm open to come in and spend in some time there in Moscow, you know? Yeah, I and, you know, <laughs> yeah I'm really, uh, n- neither would I. So look, let's go back to Jenna Ellis for a second because she's been flipping back and forth on social media, <laughs> of course, right? Grumbling about Trump, not covering her legal bills. Shocker, right? Uh, to yesterday, as you were saying, praising his mugshot. And by the way, I don't understand her mugshot. She looks like she just came out of the prom. I mean, she's smiling and shit and so on. You know, I, I don't get. Do you think that she would flip on Donald? And Absolutely. who else in your mind, out of that group, who else in your mind do you think is ready to jump ship? I think the big one's going to be Sidney Powell. Uh, you know, I think because uh, you know, going back to already the way Rudy's been turning on her, uh, he's been already making statements to the fact that. Uh, he shouldn't be responsible or held to what Sidney Powell was doing. You know, Trump called her crazy. Uh, you don't hear too much uh, about her right now. Nobody's really mentioning her. Uh, and she knows, she has all the, who knows where all the bodies are buried in that crazy scheme because she was one of the main people in that scheme. So I think she's a very important person to, as far as flipping because other individuals could talk about certain things. But I think Sidney Powell could talk about the whole indictment and everything that transpired, you know, uh, and all of the things that happened. So I think Sidney Powell is going to be a key player that's going to probably live. You know what I think is going to also be very, very helpful to the prosecution? Uh, the IT guy from Mar-a-Lago, Tavares. Oh, yeah. That's, uh, that's, you said Tavares. Yeah. I, I think that his testimony is sort of the gut punch that brings... Donald to his knees, or, you know, any of these other co-conspirators. And I think, I think that simply because what it shows is there was a conspiracy amongst a group of individuals, hence RICO, that conspired in order to delete out the videos on the classified documents and so on, and... I really do believe that his testimony, which will now contradict testimony that has been given to law enforcement, so on top of it, you have a thousand and one violation of lying to government, 
I think that's going to be the gut punch that puts a whole bunch of people on their knees. And for them to try to get up, they're going to actually need to provide uh, testimony, uh, documents, and so on to prosecutors in that specific Jacksonville case. I really do. Oh, no, I agree with you 1 million percent. I, I think the biggest gut punch that it goes to is the guy, Oliveira, the guy that's getting yep. out, you know, because it basically puts him doing all of the stuff that he lied, said he didn't do. It's going to bury him at, at trial. So I think uh, unless he changes attorneys quickly, because obviously the attorney he has is somebody that Trump's paying for, and they're probably telling him, don't worry, you're going to get pardoned, and everything's great, bloody daddy, life is beautiful, <laughs> don't worry about things. Uh, but unless he uh, realizes really quickly, he's the one that the gut punch is going to be too quick. And if, we, and if he flips, then it's over with. I mean, there, you know, because he, remember he had a 20-minute conversation with Trump. That I mean, I still can't imagine what the hell they could have been talking to for 20 minutes. Trump, I've never heard him even talk. I mean, to I him agree. Really. Right, right. Have you ever had a 20-minute conversation with Donald? No, I mean, I've never seen him have a 20-minute conversation with anybody. You know, even when, with Rudy, like, when they would be going over the Mueller report or something, it'd be like 10, 5, 10 minutes of screaming, yelling, and then and he'd be on to the next thing. I never knew he had the, you know, capacity of having a 20-minute conversation. I mean, I can't even imagine, especially with uh, air conditioning employee guy, I mean, the service guy. I mean, it, it, it's... Uh, yeah, not, it, not, it wasn't air I think the IP guy. No, no, it was the uh, Alea Vera is the one that he had. Oh, the yeah, yeah, right. That's exactly. Yeah. He was like the, the caretaker the for the caretaker, property. The caretaker, right, for the property. Yeah, yeah. yeah like, I mean, it's amazing, you know, <laughs> to uh, some of the shit that's going on. I mean, you can't, like you said, you can't make this up. You can't, you know, if this was a movie, if we were watching a movie, nobody would believe that it could ever be real. Everybody would say, oh, this is fantasy. This is not real. This could never happen. And we're living it through real times. I mean, through a real lens, through real events. It's just insane. It's it's like if this was House of Cards, the TV show, and you'd be like, come on, this is the stupidest thing. I can't even finish watching exactly. the season. <laughs> I mean, it's just that dumb, right? Well, let me ask you this question, because there's a lot of conversation that this Georgia case, which of course is state, that this case could potentially go federal. What's your what's your thoughts on that? Do you see any possibility? Of that happening? I don't think so. I mean, even by the Meadows already losing with Clark, uh, they're uh, going to be able not to turn themselves in. Uh, the judge struck that down, and they're having a hearing on uh, Monday, I think it is. Uh, for it to be federal, just like it, it would have to be something that he was doing in the office of the president, and these people would have to do it. But at the end of the day, they were doing for his campaign. It had nothing to do with the president's office, it had nothing to do with. Uh, the presidency, it all had to do with personal motivations and personal things and it's part of his campaign. So, and that's, on, on that point, the other person that I think is going to be detrimental, and I, I call him the Sammy the Bull Gravano, <laughs> is going to be Mark Meadows. I think Mark Meadows eventually spills the beans on everything. I think he's already cooperating to a certain degree with the federal case. That's why he hasn't been charged or there. Uh, I think he maybe didn't believe or underestimated and didn't think he was going to get charged in Georgia. That's why I think you see the panicky uh, motions there being filed and the responses. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think uh, once it's settled, I think he's going to definitely cooperate in Georgia and in the federal case and try to save his hide as much as he could. And he knows a lot, you know, between him and Sidney Powell, and they don't need, they don't need anybody else. Because remember, Rudy was as complacent as Trump was. So it's like, you know, Rudy was one of the main leaders of the game.
You know, another guy who I think is a potential cooperator type, Ken uh, Chesbro, right? Um, he did something which I thought was incredibly unusual, and that was to invoke trial yeah. um, constitutional right. And as a direct result, the judge <laughs> now set this case for October 23rd. And this is a little bit of a problem because, you know, uh, in October, at the beginning of October, don't forget, Donald has the civil case uh, against him. And that's set in stone with uh, New York Attorney General James. Then he's going to have this one. Literally, when that case finishes, it's going to be one after the other after the other. First of all, to have one trial is exhausting. But to have as many as this guy has, uh, I mean, I, I find it, personally, I find it impossible. If you really, uh, and I think it was Ellie Honig who did it. He put it up onto a board uh, with a calendar. And uh, on CNN, we did it this morning, and this is a possible calendar yeah. for anyone, for yeah. anyone. I, I mean, it's literally, yeah. it's impossible um, for any one person to handle this sort of scenario. It's like, he's going to live the next eight, nine, ten months in courts. Course, Every yeah, single day, right. and he and in the criminal case, you have to show up. But in the civil case, he's going to want to show because it's his money. But I found Chesbro's move very interesting. It really does benefit Donald and the other co-defendants in this case because it gives them a lot of information as to what the prosecutors have and how they intend on presenting the case to the jury and so on. I, I find it very interesting now. He was, of course, taking a serious gamble here. Oh, serious gamble. Prosecutors, yeah, that the prosecutors are not ready to go to trial. And one of the things uh, that I had heard about, um, you know, Fonnie Willis, she would never have filed this indictment if she yeah. wasn't ready to go to trial literally the day after. Okay, you have to start marking your exhibits for trial and this and that and start preparing. You know, all the stuff, but you know, that could be done in a couple of weeks, especially with the size of the passport has at her disposal. But they've been meticulously working with the case. I thought it was a very stupid move by uh, Chesbro. And it was so stupid, I actually thought that it was done in conjunction, right, with uh, with government uh, making him into a cooperating witness. I, I, I can't believe that somebody, I just can't believe that someone would be that stupid to try to call a bluff on a DA that actually filed uh, an incredibly well-written indictment paper. But, you know, look, look, hour goes by very quickly. You know, you and I can hang out for, <laughs> yeah, you know, for more hours and sit and bullshit about <laughs> all of this. But I do want to change gears to this last question for a moment and discuss the FBI whistleblower complaint that you wrote, and I quote, it confirms what I've been saying all along, that Rudy Giuliani was working with Russian operatives like Andrei um, Telezhenko to spread disinformation related to Hunter and Joe Biden in order to help Donald Trump with his bid to win the 2020 presidential election. Absolutely. What can you tell me about What can you tell my listeners about I mean, it was, you know, there's not so much being made up in the media about that, and that's unfortunate, but that 1023 from the FBI whistleblower that came out,